your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Fourth and a half yard at the six of Colorado. Now it's going to be an empty set. Snap back. Adrian's going to run off the right side. He's in there for a first down. He's in there for a touchdown. Nebraska takes the lead back here at Folsom Field. Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Thank you. Welcome. Thursday night edition of Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. It's our last live show of the week. Our greatest game segment coming your way tomorrow night at this time. We will have Husker Volleyball, their national championship match from 2015. It was held up in Omaha at the CHI Center. The Texas Longhorns. That'll be fun to listen back to that one tomorrow night here on Sports Nightly. Austin mentioned probably our biggest headline of the day, Ben, and that was that the NFL is affected now by the pandemic they have kind of gone on as business as usual through their free agent period the draft announcing the schedule uh, all those things but now a cancellation the hall of fame game set for august the 6th between the cowboys and the steelers has been called off and the hall of fame induction ceremony on the 8th of august has also been whacked they will do uh, that those members will be properly in- inducted a year from now hopefully if we get this all put behind us so here's the nfl which i i love the fact that they've kind of kept on going they kept doing their off-season business motoring toward what they hope can be games that will be played here in a couple of months but they finally this maybe has finally caught up to them and this kind of begs the age-old question to me does the NFL really need the preseason? <laughs> do you really need the four games? I know you're trying to figure out roster spots and trying to do some evaluation of players, and I, I, I get all of that, but maybe this isn't a bad thing that this thing goes away. Maybe this will make them rethink their preseason. You know, yeah, I was just about to say, I mean, the, the biggest thing that comes from this is you, you know the, the preseason is going to be affected now. I mean, it, once once a game like this goes, it I feel like it's going to be a – not sure how big of a domino effect, but that's kind of the first one to go for the NFL. Hard to imagine that they don't touch the preseason in some capacity now. I know there was talks previously of cutting it down to two games. Are they going to have a preseason at all? Is it going to be one game? Are they going to be allowed inter-squad scrimmages? Um, you know, what what is going to be the case for the NFL in the preseason or even you know to the start of the of the regular season? I'm just not sure what, what what type of direction they're going to go now, but you know one thing was is clear that um, you know the NFL was able to navigate some things virtually with the draft, with the schedule release, and um, you know they were able to still go on as quasi business as usual. But when it comes time to actually getting together for an event, uh, not even they are immune to to what's going on. I think it um, at least people probably in the NFL's camp you know, a bit of a reality check today as as that news came down. They have an extra week to, to get ready for the regular season. Their opening game is on Thursday the 10th. Their opening Sunday is the 13th. So they have another week from what the colleges are. In fact, that opening game, that Thursday night game, is the Chiefs and the uh, Texans uh, for the opening game of the NFL season on September the 10th. You know, they're, they're not yet to camp. They don't go to camp here for about a month. Their Players Association has encouraged guys, don't be working out with each other, which... A lot of people are ignoring Tom Brady still getting his new teammates in Tampa together to go practice and work out together. But the NFLPA is like, stay away from each other. We don't want it spreading through. Not now. Uh, so this is going to be a challenge, I think, for them once they do go to camps here in a couple of weeks. And I'm with you. I, 
I could maybe see two preseason games, but I could see them whacking two uh, just to get it, give by themselves as much time as possible. That would push it maybe to the third week of August where they maybe could get going there. So that that's the, the, the first, you're right, first time the NFL's kind of had to have to cancel something because of the pandemic, and it may not, unfortunately, be the last. That segues us into, we've talked about it a couple of times this week here on Sports Highly, that UNL is holding, for UNL students, a Madden tournament. And later tonight on our Twitch channel, which is where we've been playing our Sports Highly Baseball League for the last couple of months, there's going to be some fun. There's going to be some... There's going to be some smack talking. There's going to be some John going on as a little three-man tournament between Jeremiah Searles, Kenny Bell, and Tommy Armstrong is going to take place tonight at 8.15 on our Twitch channel. This could be a riot, right? Yeah, these guys, I mean, anytime they compete, and I know they're all pretty passionate about video games, especially against one another, uh, could be explosive tonight, which is a good thing. And uh, I'm sure some good fun will be had, and they're going to – fight for the opportunity to play the winner of the Madden tournament, who is probably going to wreck them no matter who it is. Uh, <laughs> you know, no matter which of the three win, uh, I mean, if, for whatever student ends up winning the tournament, you got to imagine they're going to be pretty good. And I don't know how much Madden, Searles, Kenny, and and uh, Tommy have been playing lately, but, you know, if, if you're coming out of a tournament, chances are that the their opponent's skills are going to be pretty sharp. So, you know, tune in Monday for, for, for the bloodbath. But, yeah, it should be fun tonight to watch those guys compete. I, I'm worried for Jeremiah because I have a feeling Kenny and Tommy have probably played quite a bit. Uh, those two guys I could see being gamers that have played quite a bit. I don't know that Jeremiah really has. He's got a kid. I mean, I, I just don't know how much. He may be out of his element a little bit. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe he'll prove me wrong later tonight. But that should be fun. Uh, we, we picked Austin and I during the, the SNBL stream today picked our winners. I'm going with a quarterback. I, I, I figured Tommy's got to know what to call in right situations. He uh, Austin picked Kenny. He, he thinks Kenny's got a little bit better reputation as far as a Madden player. So I guess we'll find out. Well, shoot, give me Jeremiah then. I'll, I'll take oh, the other one. You're going the underdog. I'll, I'll take Searles. Searles is, I mean, if you don't know this about Searles, he is a little bit of a gamer. I don't know if he plays is Madden he? too much, but I know, I know he likes to dabble in some video games. Now, I don't know how much he actually can, as you said, with, uh, with the birth of his daughter. But, you know, he, I think he might surprise some people. All right, 8.15 tonight on our Twitch uh, Twitch account. So go there if you want to have some fun and listen to those guys talk. I'm, I'm guessing what the, the one that's not playing is going to be kind of commentating about the game that the two yeah, are playing. Is that how it's going to work? That's the rumor, yeah. We'll have, we'll have both screens up of the two playing, and you, know, you can uh, definitely follow along as, as the games progress. It's just going to be a, a three-man round robin is how it's going to work. All right. Well, we talked about how the pandemic has is, is affected the NFL with the Hall of Fame game. The NCAA, within the last hour, has put out a notice that they are extending their recruiting dead period. No personal contact, uh, in-person contact with potential recruits through now the month of August. I think there were a lot of people, particularly college basketball, maybe some all of them, all the sports are probably hoping that maybe they could get some student-athletes before they all get into their high school, senior year, or whatever, to maybe make a quick trip to Lincoln in early August. That is not going to be the case. That has been banned through the month of August through the, 30, through the 31st, so we're not quite cutting into home football weekends yet. We're close <laughs> at the 31st of August with September the 5th being the opening weekend of the season. But, man, I, I just 
these coaches have had to do virtual tours of campuses and their facilities. It seems to be working, although I think you kind of think, Ben, we may see a whole slew in a lot of sports of decommitments because these kids, they're not getting the set foot in a facility or on a campus to really check things out. Yeah, I think this is a this is an unprecedented time in college football recruiting. I mean, Minnesota has already lost three big-time recruits in the last two weeks, and we've seen decommitments at other schools as well. I, I just, in Nebraska included, I, I just, I can't see how this is going to be people that have committed or people that are thinking about committing early. I, I can't see how it, it's just signed, sealed, delivered for, for a lot of guys. Now, there are some guys that we talk about this every year that just want it to be done. They want to find their school. And once they find it, they find it and they're done. They don't even want to listen or talk to anybody else. But there are a lot of kids that you know, make hasty decisions or make decisions based on one factor or another that that think they know what they want to do. Um, but then again, the more time they have to think about it, maybe something else pops up that, that is more intriguing to them or a new opportunity that maybe they didn't have before. I just – when you, you're not even allowing visits, Greg, before these kids can go back to school now. So, I mean, that is completely off the table. So I think those schools that – and I've said this a bunch – that that, that – are finding creative ways to get in recruits' ears that aren't typical, meaning you know you find savvy ways to do the virtual visits, you find you know gimmicky things on Twitter that, that get kids interested in your program, All, whatever it is. There are schools that do a better job of that than others that may not be a, as good of a fit as others. So if I'm looking at going to Washington and they're doing a good job recruiting me by showing me their facilities, um, you know, putting me in little highlight packages, sending me those Twitter graphics or whatever, um, I'm going to be interested in Washington. But then all of a sudden, you know, I might, I might not get the same opportunity as Stanford. Maybe they're not doing as much virtually. And I find out later that, you know, I'm a better fit at Stanford all that stuff that Washington did for me doesn't matter. I mean, I think ultimately it's it can be difficult. I th- I think to virtually find a, the best spot for you to go when you don't have boots on the ground. You've never been to a campus. You can't meet coaches face to face. They can't come to your living room. You know, all those things I think are affected by it um, by this this coronavirus. And I think college football recruiting is going to be absolutely nuts. When the, when the dead period is lifted and kids can start visiting campuses whenever they can visit campus. That's the other thing, too. Official visits, Greg, are going to be as big, if not bigger, than they've ever been this year when kids get to Lincoln. I mean, you really have to do a good job selling your program when you are able to get kids to Nebraska because Nebraska's already at a pretty big disadvantage when it comes to official visits during season because of where we're located and where a lot of these recruits come from. There are a lot of them that come from the southeast, a lot of them that come from the south, a lot of them that come from the west coast, where it's not just a direct flight into Lincoln or direct flight into Omaha. It's hard to get to sometimes. And when you're playing on Friday night, it's hard to make a weekend trip out of it. So when Nebraska does get official visitors, they have to do a good job locking them down. They have to do a good job of presenting their case, and they have to really take advantage of that time that they get with those student-athletes. And Nebraska's not the only one, but I, I, I truly feel like when it comes to that December signing period, it is going to be all-out warfare when it comes to um, getting in kids' ears, 
the, 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 I don't know why my mind goes here, but I'm imagining a bunch of Jaden Francois situations where you've got a guy that says they want to commit at 8 o'clock, the last second phone call, you end up waiting three or four extra hours to commit because one coach made up this rumor or this coach said that, and a and kid just – mind gets so cloudy – I think you're going to have a lot of flip-flopping and you're going to have a lot of decommits by the time this thing's over with. Yep, no doubt. All right, those are some of the topics of the day. 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Brian Christofferson of Husker 24-7 coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Brett did think that it was worthy for our opening segment, Ben, to talk about that Liverpool has clinched the Premier League. <laughs> he said Ben would have all kinds of thoughts. I don't have any thoughts about that, so... Good for those people. Uh, who, who did they beat? Who did they win? Who did they, they, I'm guessing they won today. They must have won today. Is that the is that the, the franchise that LeBron has a bit of a of a stake in? It I is. Don't okay. Have Austin, idea. Austin confirms it is. So, all right. Okay. Well, good, Brett, good we, that's all people. we got. That's all we got, Brett. So, Brett's always keeping us on toes with our soccer coverage. Appreciate it. Yeah. And we just warmed it up enough to get Brian Christopherson on with us here tonight from Huskers twenty four seven. Hello, Brian. How are you? You staying healthy? I I am, I think. So that's that's good. I hope you are too. I am. I'm, I'm hoping we get. To, I'm hoping we get to start watching some football here in the near future. I think that's what we all want to see happen. Um, but a couple things I wanted to get with you tonight. Some big news yesterday in the walk-on front for Nebraska football as they get Ezra Miller. Uh, former four-star, right? Offensive lineman that, that left Iowa's program mid, uh, mid-year mid and, and now is going to walk on at Nebraska. What do you make of this thing? Pretty big deal. I mean, it, it's always exciting when a, when a walk-on comes and takes his shot um, at Nebraska, but this is not your typical walk-on story, and I don't mean that to diminish other guys that have come here through that route. But in this case, we're talking about a guy who, at least as a high school recruit, was one of the more highly regarded offensive tackles in the country. I think 24-7 sports had him 25th among offensive tackles in the 2019 class. And really, he was kind of regarded as a linchpin of that Iowa uh, recruiting class. He committed to him very early and was an Iowa boy, and it, it all seemed to match up. And... Uh, you know, January he left, and initially it was said that it was maybe due to some back issues, and then later in May clarified and said, you know, he was dealing with some mental hurdles and things like that. Uh, but this is a chance for him to have a fresh start, and he, you know, earn earn a scholarship at Nebraska. He'll start as a walk-on, and it, he, he's in a deep room, as you know. I mean, Greg Austin has done a really nice job uh, stacking – up that that room with options, whether it's guard or tackle or wherever. Uh, so he's going to have to fight like heck when he gets here because there's some other good young players in the program who are hungry too. Uh, but you love that competition. I mean, you just love when you can get guys to to push each other, and you know it, it doesn't hurt bringing in a guy who, when he was a recruit, one of our analysts said he was a he was a draft pick type of guy as far as coming out of high school with his frame and his potential. So that's that's what that's within him. Uh, but he's got to he's got to take the next steps now. It's been a. I mean, you look over this the last two months. Nebraska has now picked up three Power Five transfers, walk-ons: Bubak from Arizona State, the kicker from LSU, and then. You go back, and Greg Austin also gets the young man from Norris who is coming from Colorado State where he played out there for the Rams. 
you got to tip your cap, right, to the staff and their ability to go kind of find a couple of guys to, to plug in here. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned, uh, and I'm going to butcher his name because I always write names and I never have to say them or don't have to say them as often. And so uh, I, I mess these up. But Nordy Newilly. Newilly. Newilly, uh, yeah. Newilly, I got it right. He originally from Germany and came here. His host family was in Nebraska. And, of course, he gets caught up in, oh, man, they love this American football around here. This game's something else. I actually get to hit people, and it's allowed, and this is pretty cool, and I'm a big guy that fits me. And so he starts playing, and in only a year, he gets a scholarship to uh, Colorado State. I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, no matter how big you are, not just anybody does that. So he's got some potential. And if that were the end of it, you'd say, okay, that's nice. But he goes there and he started seven games for them as a freshman. So it it looked like he was kind of on the fast track. But even though he was here a limited amount of time with the host family, Nebraska was his home away from home. And he always felt that. And he felt that pull to the Huskers. And he wants his shot here. And he's a really confident guy. He's a, he's a guy who he may have to sit out this year because of the transfer unless he gets a waiver. Uh, but he's 6'4", 285. His body could get bigger, plus 300, I think. He could be a good inside option at, like, left guard. And uh, that's it's going to be fascinating, the interior of Nebraska's O-line the next couple of years, how it shakes out. Because, as you know, um, there, there's going to be a massive fight for the left guard job this season. And, and then it gets even more interesting again next year when Farniok and Hymas and Bo Wilson leave this program to who who steps into those roles. So there is opportunity, but there's a lot of guys vying for those spots on the O-line, and he'll be one of them. Brian Christofferson is with us. He writes for Huskers 24-7. There's also was news on the commitment front for the 21 class this week with running back Gabe Irvin from the state of Georgia. What do you you make of that, that commitment for Nebraska? Um, I love that Nebraska just keeps hitting Georgia uh, in a big way, and they really have with this staff. They have a lot of connections there. Obviously, I think most people know Ryan Held is is just a really top-notch recruiter who just gives all of his energy to it. So you know you're going to get a good pitch for Nebraska from him. But I I hope it's not lost what Sean Beckton also means to the staff recruiting-wise, and especially in the state of Georgia, where he's recruited it for years and years, and he's gained a lot of trust with the coaches there. And in this time where you can't have face-to-face communication right now with players and stuff like that, man, that's so valuable that you you have those relationships built over years with certain coaches who, when their players are looking at schools and they're saying, okay, what about Nebraska? What do you know about them? And they can turn to their coach and and they know some good things about the coaching staff. And so give Sean Beckton and Ryan Held and all those guys a lot of credit here. Uh, if you look at his highlights, I think you're going to see he's a, he's a pretty complete back uh, for his level. It's not all just about running away from people. He's a very good north-south runner, gets some extra tough yards, but he's also uh, takes a lot of pride in the pass pro and his ability to catch the ball in the backfield. So, um He's one of those guys who, uh, you know, fits into a running back room that is pretty young behind Diedrich Mills, but also full of a lot of potential and um, opportunities there. It's sort of like the O-line. There's just a lot of young guys kind of waiting 
and we don't know quite what they are, but they look like they could be something pretty good, and now it's just a matter of seeing here in the next couple of years. BC, they're sitting there with 10 commits right now. I think it was last year this time they might have had three, and I think everybody was getting kind of nervous, and that class ended up really good. How do you gauge where they are right now, and where does where does 24-7 have them as it relates to the national scene and, and in the conference as well? Well, right now, Nebraska's ranked I think 41st in our 24-7 sports composite. They're going to go up, though. Um, the number, a lot of uh, programs have stacked up a lot of commits early, but I think there's going to be some decommitments. I just think this is going to be a crazy cycle because a lot of kids haven't been able to visit places, and once they do, uh, you're going to see some guys change their mind. And Nebraska has established a lot of good relationships, so I think Nebraska will be okay in this class. And I think they're at a good pace. You know, I, on July 4th, there's a wide receiver announced in Latrell Neville, and I, uh, I like Nebraska's chances with that one. Um, Christian Burkhalter is a linebacker. And our crystal ball predictions at our site are all showing, you know, it's a Nebraska lean. And so I really think, you know, by the time we get to end of August or so, we could be talking about a class that has, you know, 14 people in it or something like that. And as Scott Frost has said in interviews with you on here and then when he did an interview with the rest of the media last week, this is a smaller class for Nebraska. You know, it might be a, a class where it is like 20 people. And so you're already halfway home. You're going to be more than halfway home pretty soon here. But I don't think anybody has to hit the panic button. And I would advise people to just let this thing play out because there's going to be um, – Minnesota's off to a great start. Iowa had a pretty good start to this cycle. Uh, but I think there's going to be some flip-flopping, and it'll be interesting, uh, you know, who moves up and who moves down over the next few months. You mentioned Coach Frost's press press conference last week. It was a Zoom press conference, and we may have to get used to those for a while anyway. It was the first time he'd done that in about three months. What were your main takeaways from that? Well, I mean, probably the headline news was the, the Farniok announcement that when they do get back on the field, they want to probably put him at right guard. And, you know, I think we all kind of thought Bryce Benhart was going to get his crack at right tackle anyway. But the thinking is it was maybe going to be Farniak and Hymas on the left side. And now you've got, you know, a veteran in Farniak who could line up to the freshman Benhart. And I think that makes a lot of sense, you know. And then you've got Hymas on the other side who could line up to – We'll see who. I mean, it could be a guy like Bo Wilson, who's a senior left guard. It could be a guy like retro freshman Ethan Piper or somebody who I know they really like behind the scenes or Turner Corcoran. I don't know. That's going to be a wide-open competition. But I think the fact that you have two veterans now on each side maybe puts the coaches more at ease where, you know, if, the, if a young guy is really up to it and you feel he's as good as anybody else coming out of camp, you could put him in and he's, he's got a, a presence around him uh, who's been out there in some big games and can help him along the way. So um, I think that was a standout news. And then generally just the togetherness that Scott Frost feels like his team has right now uh, kind of jumped out to me because this is a time period where you can't really meet with your full team and you wonder where everybody's mind is kind of at. Um, there's been a lot of big national stories and a lot of things you know, to deal with and a lot of different thoughts on issues in our country. And, you know, how is your team staying together? Are they still gelled, you know, in this time where we're sort of disconnected? 
And uh, he's pretty happy on that front. And I know he said as much to you, too. And so I think that's a big deal. When we get to this season, you know, those teams that were able to stick together and really do have that chemistry and uh, that culture built up, I know people get kind of tired of the culture talk, but I think in a year like this, it's just invaluable, and it could be the, the deciding factor between the teams that have success and those that don't. Well put. Well, I hope we're playing September 5th. I don't know that any of us know. I, I think we're going to be through some ups and downs between now and then. I think there'll be days we feel like there's no way we play. I think there'll be other times you're like, okay, I think this might happen. We'll just have to sit back and wait and see how it all unfolds. Brian, we certainly appreciate it. As always, enjoy the rest of your summer. Have a happy 4th of July here in about nine days. Yes, same to you and everybody else listening. Thanks a lot. No sports on this weekend? We've got you covered. I know everything about film. I've seen over 240 of them. Time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And action! Here we are, our Flicks picks for the week. Ben McLaughlin, I'm sure you've been having a ton of downtime just having having Kennedy lay in your lap and watch all kinds of TV. Yeah, my wife and I, um, one of our shows that she likes to put on at nighttime when we're trying to fall asleep is Grey's Anatomy. And so we've had Grey's Anatomy on from like 10 p.m. to like 6 a.m., all like basically through the night for the for the last week or so. So we've been crushing that, but... Um, that's more just no background noise. But we did – I did put out a tweet on Father's Day. We finished Father's Day by watching The Guardian with Kevin Costner and Ashton Kutcher. And I, I just I, – I was curious. I looked it up and only got 30%, 37% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is hmm. which is garbage. I mean, it's such a great movie. It, <laughs> I love the I, I love the storyline. I love the, the ending of the movie. Um, the soundtrack is great. And – it's very sad at the end, um, but it's, it's such a good movie. It's one of our favorites. So we watched that again, and um, that's a movie I can watch four or five times a year. Very good. Austin? Well, my my fiance is as a nurse and very much into Grey's Anatomy, so I'm afraid that'll be me someday. But for now, I'm gonna <laughs> gonna watch Anchorman two after I watched Anchorman over the weekend in full. What'd you think? Oh, it's fantastic! I love it. it lived up you, to the now. Height. You should have dropped a trailer of that. We'd all have been chuckling if you'd have pulled that oh, for yeah. us. I probably should have, but oh well, too late now. But I also want to watch Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. So you got Steve Martin and Michael Caine. I've seen most of it. Watched with my family once, but I got the DVD at my place. So I'm and to pop it on again this weekend, I think. Very good. That escalated quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Unique oh New York. <laughs> well, I, I found out before we went on, I'm the only one that, that brought a clip. I'm the only one that yes. did my homework tonight. So, uh, Austin, go ahead and roll it. This is from Just Mercy. Tell me everything that happened. The first time I visited death row, I wasn't expecting to meet somebody the same age as me from a neighborhood just like ours. Could have been me, mama. But what you're doing is gonna make a lot of people upset. You always taught me to fight for the people who need the help most. Your life is still meaningful, and I'm gonna do everything possible to keep them from taking it. You don't know what you're into down here in Alabama when you're guilty from the moment you're born. This is a hmm. really good movie. You watched this on Father's Day as well, and I had heard a lot of good things about it, but I was really impressed. It's a movie that's based on a true story, and a lot of times movies that are based on true stories don't really hold up very well to the facts, but 
I, I love reading up on movies like that afterwards and doing that. It, it really did align very well, but it, you know, it was, it aligned up with the facts, but it was also very well done. Michael B. Jordan is the main character. And then Jamie Foxx is also one of the lead characters. And it, it just is, is a really well done movie and it's, it's relevant to what's going on in the world today, but it's something that, you know, you start watching it. And I thought it was something that looked like it was taking place in like the 1960s, but it was, it was within my lifetime. It was, most of it takes place in the early nineties. So great movie. I loved watching it. You got me. I, I'm going to go watch that. That's that definitely on my list. Was it supposed to be in the theaters, and then we had the COVID, and it didn't get there? Does anybody it know? It came out in 2019, so I'm not oh, sure. So it's, I, been out, it's been out six months yes. or so. Yeah. Yep. All right. I'm a big Marvels guy, so I'm watching Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's the last season of that. They're going to wrap that season up in August. I, I binge-watched three the first three episodes during this week, and so I think August 20th is their last episode after seven seasons on the air. Our Sports Highly Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Thanks again to Brian Christopherson and Oscars 24-7 for being with us and hearing the guys' flicks picks for the week. He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Sponsored by Bathfitter, for the beautiful bath you've always wanted, kickstart your bathroom remodel by visiting bathfitter.com today. Now, here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. And it is our pleasure and honor to be joined now by Mr. Teddy Greenstein from the Chicago Tribune. Teddy, been a while since I've been given this privilege of, of chatting with you via the Skype machine. How you been? It's been so long you've expanded your family since we last talked. I mean, enough, you know, Big Ten expansion. How about Ben McLaughlin expansion? Congratulations on Kennedy. I mean, we've certainly texted about it. I've seen some beautiful pictures, but uh, things are going well for me, man. I'm sure uh, it's a lot more hectic in your house. It is, but it's it's as good of a hectic as it could possibly be. I appreciate the uh, the kind words. Things are going great. Mama and baby are doing good, and just Excellent. slowly starting to get into the uh, the routine of being a being a dad. That you'll appreciate this yeah. story. I don't think you know this yet. So the second night home, four ten in the morning, I, I I'm on bottle duty, so I go down. I'm of course all disoriented from lack of sleep. Misjudged the steps, tripped on the last step, snapped my pinky toe pretty much in half. So I've been uh, gimping around the house for the last couple of weeks, and I'm just finally at, at a point now where no walking boot necessary, no crutches necessary, yeah. but you can yeah. imagine how happy my wife was with me when she came down with the baby at 4.15 in the morning. I'm writhing in pain on the ground going, great, just, this is yeah. just what I needed. My wife likes to say she's got three children, uh, our daughters <laughs> and me. So I'm sure yours really appreciates the chance to uh, take care of you, man. That's uh, that's bad. I mean, for me, it was all about bouncing my kids, you know, with like the trying to kind of bounce them to sleep while I was watching reruns of The Simpsons. Those are my <laughs> those are my earliest memories of, uh, of being a dad. Oh, I love it. But uh, as you said, it's, there's no greater feeling, and I'm sure it only gets better from here as you, as you watch them grow up. Guaranteed. So, yeah. Well, uh, you've been busy. I, I think uh, we all have seen the uh, the Big Ten post 
the Big Ten Network has, has posted uh, they did a, an all-decade team, and you yeah. are uh, a, a select few, select members. So we're honored to have one of the 24 best minds of Big Ten basketball with us here on Sports Nightly here tonight. But what was that like, just going back and digging through some of the names? It looked to me like there was a lot within the last three to five years on those teams, but you know, digging out some, yeah. of, the, some of those old names. That is true. You don't want to fall into the whole recency bias thing. But, uh, you know, then you see names that, that, that stand out. I mean, Denzel Valentine, amazing. And I got to say, I was watching uh, a little BTN.com today about Denzel. I didn't even realize this. Like, he literally improved, I think it was points, rebounds, assists, and field goal percentage each of his four years in every category. I mean, that's pretty amazing. You know, then you think about guys like Frank Kaminsky, also a, you know, a massive improvement. I mean, he, Northwestern, even though he's from this area, Northwestern wasn't even interested enough that they had a coach show up for his visit. And then he turns out to be one of the you know, best players in Big Ten history, if not college basketball history. I was trying hard for John Sherna, underrated, great yeah. Northwestern player, the best I've ever seen. Uh, but he got wiped out for, for, by some other guys. So fun to do that. I think football's next week. I participated with that as well. Uh, Bo Pelini, I'm sorry. I couldn't get you in as the coach of the decade. Bo Pelini is the Twitter handle of the decade. That much we know. But, but Bo, I couldn't, I, I couldn't get you there. So when you were, uh, when you were going through and, and, and choosing both, I guess, football and basketball, what, what, yeah. what attributes were you looking for? Is it, is it kind of the, the namesake? Because you mentioned John Scherner, that That's a sneaky name. You know, statistics-wise, yeah. he belongs in that conversation. But I'm sure there's, uh, you said, recency bias. I'm sure there's some name bias. I'm sure there's some school bias and maybe even some <laughs> award bias that goes into things like this. So much bias. Absolutely. <laughs> My bias is also I was sitting about 10 feet away from Evan Turner when he hit that yeah. uh, game winner in the oh, Big man. Ten tournament, that 45-footer. Was that not incredible? Oh, so yeah. you, you've got bias like that. I mean, if you saw it with your own eyes, mm -hmm. you're saying that's absolutely incredible. It, it can be tough to choose because sometimes you're dealing with guys who are, you know, one and done players versus right. the Frank Kaminsky's and Denzel Valentine. And I think we're all a sucker for guys who actually improve and, you know, help their team win dozens and dozens and dozens of games and lots of NCAA tournament games. But that's certainly what uh, what makes it fun. Uh, in terms of the coach, I assume it was Izzo over Matt Painter. But, I mean, like Bo Ryan, I mean, there have been, yeah. been some ridiculous coaches in this league. There's no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we're looking at the current situation with, with college football right now, Teddy. Where are you on this right now compared to where you were maybe two weeks ago even? I mean, has your thought process changed based on – um, you know, what the news has said about, about the virus and what some of these testing reports have come yeah. back? Ben, I, I hate to say it. I'm as, as gloomy and pessimistic as I've been this whole time. Um, the more I think about it, I, I just don't know how it would work. I mean, all right, so for the NBA, you know, you have much smaller teams and fewer teams, and you literally live in a bubble in, uh, in Orlando for, what, maybe two months, two and a half months if they go all the way, maybe a bit longer. Uh, you know, so then you think about the NFL. So you think about, you know, large rosters and a long season and guys breathing on each other. And I wonder with the NFL, because there's so much money involved and the, you know, the players, if they don't play, they don't get paid. You know, can you tell these NFL guys, hey, you, you're allowed to be in basically one of two places, either your home or the football complex. I think it's fair to tell 
men who it's their profession that they can do that for four or five months. How can you possibly do that with college athletes? I mean, they're supposed to go to class. They're supposed to be in their dorm or their apartment. They're supposed to be out and about. I mean, they're not professional athletes. So I, I just think we're all kind of kidding ourselves. Um, and then on top of it, you know, God, those, those NFL players, again, I mean, they kind of know the risks involved in their sport. They're being well, well compensated. What's going to happen if uh, a college football player gets, gets seriously ill? So I don't know, man. It sounds like the SEC teams are determined to do it. Maybe a school like Nebraska, where there's very little COVID, thankfully, uh, can pull it off. But the longer this goes and the more you see of, uh, you know, teams like Kansas State, Kansas State players had none, and then they had four, and then I think got up to 14, and they shut it down. And we've just not done a good job in this country of social distancing and, and wearing masks. So obviously we have huge breakouts. So not feeling good about it today, Ben. Teddy, when you, when you look at, to me, where I, I was asked about this earlier today, and, and, and where I struggle is, I feel like there's such a fine line between continuing to live as a society and continuing to live with things that, that we want to live with, and that being college football. And I think there's such a fine line there. But I, I, yep. to me, I feel like there's just so many questions that, that need to be answered. And, and when Greg and I talk about this on our show, and I'm starting to say this a lot, I feel, is we keep saying, okay, there's, there's plenty of time, there's plenty of time, there's plenty of time. Yeah. Well, we've been saying that for about a month and a half to two months, and that plenty of time is shrinking pretty rapidly to come up with yes. answers to some pretty serious questions. And, Ben, I'm a guy who says, okay, look, these are healthy young athletes. The mortality rate is extremely low. I'm a guy who, you know, is playing golf in Indiana in April, and I'm not a shut-in. I'm somebody who does believe you should live with risk and, um, you know, in some ways take some chances. But is it fair to ask college football players to do it? I just don't think it is. Um, is it fair to ask NBA guys? Yeah, I think it is. And if they don't want to play, then don't play. You know, if some are, don't want to risk it because of an injury or they have a family member who's at risk or they have a, a health issue – don't play, but the NBA and baseball makes so much more sense than college football. Um, so I'm dying for there to be college football. Now, if there is at least the NFL, then the NFL can play on Thursday, Saturday, Sunday and entertain the country. Uh, I think that is a much, much more realistic option. Talking with Teddy Greenstein from the Chicago Tribune here on Sports Nightly, I'm Ben McLaughlin. Teddy, I think the biggest question is, and probably the reason why the issue is being forced so much is what happens to the athletic departments if there is right. no college football. And I think we've started yep. to see that at Nebraska a little bit, as Bill Moose announced, plenty of layoffs, plenty of budget cuts, and doing everything they yep. can, even assuming there's going to be football. What does happen if, the, if this season's wiped out? How, can college sports come back from this? I mean, I'd say yes, but uh, I'd assume there would just be obviously no fall sports. And then uh, what do you do about winter sports? And, you know, what do you do about the non-revenue sports? Um, you know, I've talked to people at Northwestern and they've got a big endowment and it's time to dip into it. I know schools don't like to dip into their endowments, but it seems like a pretty good rainy day fund. Uh, so I like to think that, you know, maybe five months from now, six months from now, there'll be a vaccine and we can go back to normal. Uh, I think there probably just is going to not be any sports, uh, college sports for a little while. I mean, if they can pull it off, that is amazing. 
uh, it just seems like with the you know with the number of cases, with the fact that our our curve started like this and now it's going you know it's now it's ticking back up. Um, I have a hard time believing it. But look, the reason they're trying is because of finances. I mean, that's the reason that first of all that schools have said we're going to have on campus learning because they needed parents and loved ones to write those tuition checks. And the reason they're trying to play college football is because it is, as you know, 75 to 80 percent of some of these budgets. Yeah, and it'll be uh, a spectacle. It'll be a, a, not even a million-dollar question. It'll be a question mark financial question if, if there is no college football, how some of these places survive. Uh, one of yeah. the things that, that is surviving right now is the world of golf. What's been the reception, yeah. Teddy, in the golfing world about how this has gone, uh, besides all the F-bombs that they're picking up on microphones right now uh, with, with the no crowds? How, how has it gone with the PGA? And I know there are, yeah. are certainly some golfers like Brooks Kepka that are taking it more seriously than others. Yeah, Brooks Kepka is sitting out of uh, Connecticut, the Travelers Championship this weekend because of his caddy. By the way, Phil Mickelson shooting 64 uh, as he turns 50. That's uh, mildly impressive. Um, you know, the PGA Tour, it, they're kind of the guinea pigs in this whole sports situation. And I got to tell you, you know, on Sunday, um, they had that weather delay. And then they come back on and Jim Nance says, hey, we'll be, there'll be live golf again in, in 20 minutes. And they showed a shot of the driving range and there were, you know, it was packed. I mean, there was definitely no sense of social distancing. And I think I think we've all been there now. We've all been there at times where, you know, we're all close to other people and we all kind of feel like we shouldn't be, but we kind of mm -hmm. go ahead anyway. We're almost pretending like thing, like it's 2019 instead of 2020. And this has been a wake-up call for the PGA Tour because that tour might have been close to pulling the plug because it sounded like South Carolina had a party atmosphere last week and people were not taking precautions. So all of us we have to be better about distancing and wearing masks otherwise we're going to blow it and there's not going to be sports yeah i mean it's 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 one of those deals where it's like it's a player playing hurt you got to wait the four weeks if you don't wait the four weeks you can you can risk it but there's a chance you're out a year and and then all that time that you waited is uh, is gone for good um speaking of gone you're going to be gone for a little while you're off on a on a little hiatus i hear Headed out east, uh, you know, I always like to wear my Yankees hat uh, when I'm in New York, so people are less mean to me. No, I'm a New Yorker, <laughs> so we're all very nice. Um, but, yeah, so the Tribune is furloughing all of its uh, editorial employees, you know, certainly all of its reporters. So we all get three-week uh, unpaid vacations. Mine starts Sunday. Uh you know, fortunately, they can't stop me from doing the show. So hopefully we'll continue to do this on Thursdays. But yeah, no bylines. Uh, this will be a long stretch for me without writing. I'm not even going to bring my laptop as we head out east. Uh, so it'll be kind of fun. I've, I've got a stack of books I'm hoping to uh, dive into and definitely get some quality family time and maybe even work on my horrible short game. Yeah, time to be a time to be a person. What's that all about, right? Go, go figure <laughs> out how, no how people uh, how people function without work. It's it's definitely right. a unique unique situation. Um, yes. It's great seeing you, man. I mean, I can see you. I don't know if you can see me, but it was great to see you. Catch yep. up with you. Um, have have some safe travels and go enjoy some some good R and R, my friend. You've earned it. Thank you. Uh, have Kennedy take good care of that toe. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll get back soon, my friend. It's summer. The Huskers are sharpening their skills with 7-on-7 seven seven drills. 
We're keeping Greg and Ben in shape during the off-season with some seven-on-seven seven of our own. Seven topics. A seven-nation army couldn't hold me back. From sports. For Manning, seven touchdown passes. To pop culture. I never joke about my work, 007. It's time to go seven-on-seven seven on Sports Nightly. Well, some weeks on seven on seven, we get we put you guys through some rigorous workouts. That was last week with the the pictures of all of you as females. So <laughs> that's that's yeah, out there, and th- that's in the past. Though this week we we <laughs> kind of eased up a little bit. It's not quite as difficult of of, uh, of a workout this week. So we did, we did ease up just a little bit on you guys. Be mentally messed up by the topic number four, where we're just. Trying to scrape together a coherent right. thought after looking at that. <laughs> looking back, we definitely should have saved that for topic number seven. We that was, that was a mistake. I don't even know but. what you asked after that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, let's dive into this week's topics. And there's been a list circulating on Twitter this week that has 60 different sports ranked by their difficulty. So according to the list, which is put out by Unbiased America Sports, the top five most difficult sports are boxing, ice hockey football, basketball, and wrestling. So those are the top five most difficult. Then the five sports at the bottom of the list are curling, bowling, shooting, billiards, and the number one easiest sport is fishing. So anything on this list that you guys would dispute or any one that you want to kind of know about? Curling! You have to be a master to perform curling. (laughs) It would take you like two hours to get it down. (laughs) What makes boxing so hard? Stamina? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I yeah, guess. very technical. If anybody, if anybody's wrestled, UFC fought, boxed, yeah, they'll tell you. I mean, it is. It, it, it your is win, it, yeah, yeah. It it takes it out of you. So I want to know what's the criteria? Like difficult in what way? Like physically difficult or just skillfully difficult? Because if it's skillfully difficult, I saw that list. Golf is way too low. Golf is in like yeah. the 30s, I think. Like. Skillfully, you can take the most athletic person in the world, give them some golf clubs, and they'll go embarrass themselves. So, I mean, I, I feel like golf in terms of just skill difficulty is really tough because I've been playing for years and I'm still terrible. Where some <laughs> of those sports, like if you're, if, if I were to do some of those sports as long as I've done golf, I would be adequate at. Wouldn't yeah. hockey be really high up too? I mean, the yeah, hockey is number two. Hockey's two. Hockey's, yeah. It should be. Yeah. It should be. Well, so yeah, I, I agree with that. To, to Ben's point, golf is fifty-first. So, Ooh. I feel like there's a lot that are higher up than that that probably shouldn't be. I mean, to some extent, I get it. Like, there, you can go out when you're seventy years old, and if you've played golf, you can play it. But right, it's also. It's like, so if it's like physically taxing, right? So if we're talking, yes, obviously football's up there. You know, like if it's hard on your body, then I get it. Golf should be towards the bottom because, shoot, I mean, you can drink adult beverages and drive around in a cart and play music. You know, it's not exactly strenuous, but, you know, in terms of actually being good at the sport, it's it's tough. So I don't know. I don't know what, what the criteria is for the list. I don't curling, know about that either. Curling chaps my hide, but that's all right. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I don't really have any disputes with the top five. I think those are all uh, yeah, those are all good well, ones. We're gonna put out a Twitter poll, so go vote on our runs a Twitter poll on what the most difficult sport to play is. Okay, what are your options? Have you got that figured we out? We did the top. Yeah, we did the top three. So boxing, okay. ice hockey, and football. Where Very is good. baseball? I think it was baseball. Sixth. 
Yeah. Yeah, it, it hit was a curveball. Ninth. Ninth. So, again, it, not entirely physically – that's not an, an overly physical sport. So, I, I'm not sure what the, what the criteria is. Who knows? It might be all-encompassing. Well, sure. they are unbiased, so they got all the criteria weighted exactly <laughs> perfectly. It was sure. unbiased America sports. So, number two, we're going to touch on soccer for just a second here. So, producer Brett Whitty, a big fan of Barcelona soccer team, will go to Barcelona, but not to talk about soccer. Instead, we'll talk about the Barcelona Opera Hall that was opened earlier this week for its first concert since mid-March. They had a large, pretty captive audience, which was made up of a variety of different plants. The Opera Hall stated it was a symbolic act defending (laughs) the value of art, music, and nature. So what's the largest audience you guys have ever spoken or performed in front of? I've I've hosted some pep rallies that would have been probably in front of about 8,000 to 10,000 people where I've gotten up and introduced the coach and the players at big pep rallies. That That would be it for me, getting in front of that big of a group. Man, I mean that's a it's a hard one to answer. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I feel like we're we're in front of a decent sized audience every night with <laughs> with microphones. We just can't see them. Um, True. Yeah, playing career would have had to have been in high school, a football, or there was even a one baseball tournament in in particular that was that was pretty raucous. I can remember. Um, but yeah, it'd have to be. It had to be that, and then, like speaking in front of just any speaking engagement that we're asked to do. There's usually you know a couple hundred people there, so I'm guessing you've never spoken or performed in front of an audience full of plants, though. Nope. No, never either of you guys. No, nope. that's a great picture. People ought to go look that up. It's it pretty is cool. It's fantastic. It does look pretty cool. That it, it, I'm sure it took a ton of work to put that all together. <laughs> I know. But, yeah. Carry all those things in there. A lot yeah. less pressure performing in front of bucket full of plants than it is True. people. They did end up streaming the concert, too, but the live audience was all made up of plants. All right, topic number three, Zion Williamson, the NBA player, is currently caught up in a lawsuit with a marketing agent named Gina Ford. And late last week, it was reported that Ford and her attorneys attempted to send a subpoena to the NCAA in Indianapolis that would provide documents related to the case. But instead of going to the NCAA, the subpoena ended up in the hands of a dentist named Doug Kosick, who lives in South Bend, Indiana. And Kosick does have a company that he recently started named NCAALLC, which apparently is what led to the confusion. Still not sure how it ended up in his hands, but uh, what's the most random piece of mail or an email or text that you got from someone who thought that you were someone else? Good one. We still get mail from the people who lived in our house. Do you? Yep. From like, like not from, not from like companies either, like people. It's like, how close are you really to these people? Two years after they move exactly. out, you're still sending it to the old address. Um, other than that, I don't really know. Yeah, I think we all kind of get that. You take over a house and for the next couple of years. And then even after several years, you're still getting one every now and then. You're like, they haven't lived here in like three years. Quit sending yeah, me that yeah. stuff. Um, it's weird. I've had people who've left me a voicemail thinking they were calling somebody else. Yeah, uh, that's, happened, that's happened a few times, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, that person needs some help," and I, I don't, I don't know who they are, or a text I, message. I, that's what I was going to say. I, I can take this one with a text message. So I'm sitting in yeah, Spanish four in high school, 
and my phone goes off. I don't think much of it. And we had 90 minute block classes. So I don't check it till we get our break about 50 minutes in. And this class came, or this text came probably five minutes into class or so. So I opened up my phone during the break and it says, hey, Brandy, this is so-and-so at this school. Michael ran away. We can't find him. Oh, oh boy. Oh, no. Yeah. So I took 45 minutes to respond to that text, Shoot. in which no. case they, they didn't oh. know that I wasn't this mom named Brandy who was looking for her little kid. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I was sitting in class. Oh, I couldn't man. respond. I never heard an update. I did text the number back to oh. see if they found, but I felt so bad for not being able to reply to that right away. No Poor kid. Brandy. Wow. Yeah. Hopefully I found her. <laughs> Hopefully so. All right, so topic number four, we'll combine it, golf and food. We think those are things you guys both enjoy. Uh, Bryson yep. DeChambeau, he recently announced he's gained 40 pounds thanks to a diet that allows him to eat, quote, whatever I want, whenever I want, end quote. The added weight has seemed to have helped him. He's played pretty well. He finished 11th in the Travelers Championship last weekend. He was third and eighth the two weekends before that. So if you guys could take on Bryson DeChambeau's metabolism for a day, what would you eat? Desham Bonehead can't stand that guy at all. <laughs> he leaves the stick Whoa. in, doesn't he, Ben? I just, I just, I, there's nothing about that guy that I like. I was on uh, our Omaha affiliate earlier today, and Nick and I were talking about golf and Bryson DeChambeau, and I, I said, you know, I ran into a problem when I first started getting into golf because I found myself liking a lot of guys, right? Ricky, Rory, obviously Tiger, um, Spieth, it's it's hard to not like some of those guys, and I was like, man, I, I just like too many of them. I don't have that problem with Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, he's. <laughs> I check the leaderboard for some guys to do well, and I check the leaderboard to see if that guy is terrible or not, and uh, hopefully that he is. So, not a fan, not a fan of that guy at all. I would eat. I I love bread, but I know it's not the best for you. But if I could eat whatever I want, not worry about putting on pounds. I'd eat a ton of bread, rolls, muffins, that kind of stuff, Texas for toast. Me, for me, it would be uh, like a build-your-own taco bar. Like if I could just eat tacos and put whatever, you know, have some carne asada tacos, have some beef tacos, have some chicken tacos with a bunch of different kinds of salsas and jalapenos, cheese, give me all that. I, I, would, nice. I would destroy that. <laughs> Love it. All right, moving on to topic number five, NFL safety HaHa Clinton Dix posted a video on Instagram account earlier this week. Maybe you guys have seen it. It showed a security camera of him riding a scooter down an alley, and as he passes a parked car, Clinton Dix notices a mama bear and her cub standing right in front of him. He immediately oh. leaps off of his scooter and runs the other way. The bear and her cub do the same, running the other direction. So obviously you can't blame Clinton Dix for his reaction. So we'll ask you guys, what's the most startled or scared you've ever been in your life when you've encountered something? I've already told my ghost story on the air Yeah. before a couple years ago. I'm not going to tell it again because it's a long story, but that that without without a doubt. Is, and I'm a skeptic too. Like I'm not a, I'm not a guy that like goes ghost hunting or whatever, but... After that night, I definitely believe that there was some, there were some fishy things going on. <laughs> I remember being in high school and going to a haunted house and just about wet my pants a couple times with people <laughs> jumping out at you. It was oh man, I everybody's like let's do it again. I'm like nope, I'm, I'm out of here. Let's go. <laughs> <We're> done. <laughs> uh, if you went through again though, you should you should know where the the uh, yeah, scary kinda. parts are. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. 
True. Fun side note to that. Clint Dix is with the Cowboys now, but he played with the Bears last season, so it was appropriate that he yeah, ran yeah. into it's a, bear. a couple of Bears. Hopefully the next time he's riding a scooter, he doesn't run into a bunch of old, angry Western guys with pistols at him. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know that he gets away. By the way, I don't think he did it intentionally, but if you notice in the video, he when he saw the bear, he kind of threw his scooter forward yep. towards yeah. the Bears, and I think that yeah, saved going. him because that scared the crap out of the Bears, and so they took off the other way. Yeah. So I think it was a, it was a, I mean, I don't know if it was instinct or just pure panic and luck or what. But <laughs> it worked out well. However, he threw that scooter, really helped him out. Opposites yep. attract, but there were three bears involved, so I think it all worked out pretty well. But all right, we'll stick with the animal kingdom here for number six. So a week ago, the online sports book MyBookie posted odds on, odds on their website for shark migration. You know, it seems odd, but basically it was a horse race, a shark race, if you will. So they used data from a different website that is tracking nine specific great white sharks that allows them to set lines on when and where the sharks would end up. So we ask you guys, what's the weirdest thing you've put a friendly wager on in your life? Oh, boy. Hmm. I bet on the Belmont last week. That probably doesn't count, though. <laughs> I made a little I money. I made eight bucks, Ben. <laughs> we bet on Thanks, some Andy. weird stuff in high school. Um, well, you've told this story, too. It was one of those guys bet you you couldn't hit a home run at Haymarket Park. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. And you went, you I've went yet yard. to collect on, on a couple of those bets. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, that was bizarre. I remember one time in high school, we were so upset. It was like that episode of The Office where they bet on anything and everything. That was a yeah. little bit of what we were like. We used to bet on, like, what color shoes the next person would have when they walked down the hallway. Or, like, I don't know, just really weird, bizarre things like that that would just help help the school day go a little faster. I remember I was fairly young. We, we, we uh, bet a quarter on what, what license plate would come by us next, what, you know. And it couldn't be your state. It had to be some other state. Yeah. yeah. And I lived in the Kansas City area, so you had, I was in the Kansas side, but you had a lot of Missouri plates over on our side, yeah. so that was pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Love it. Well, all right, this isn't Shark Week, but we'll stick with sharks for our last topic of the night. Over the weekend, a video on a beach in Delaware captured a man in the water attempting to pry open the mouth of a shark. The shark had a fishing right. hook in his mouth, so the man was trying to free it. Someone else had caught it, but it's, of course, illegal to actually catch sharks in the state of Delaware. So how much would you guys have to be paid to grapple with the jaws of a shark? I don't know that you could pay me enough that. And <laughs> these guys who wrestle gators, yeah. are you kidding me? What are you thinking? It's just no, asking for trouble. Uh, how big know. of a I'm shark sure is it? The, was the it video a baby shark like or was it a... Big. No, it was not, I don't was think it? it was a baby it's shark. It was, it was a decent size. Older. Yeah, that's what I was going to uh, say. So we're a, talking like four feet, or are we talking like 12 feet? Split the difference. I don't know. Maybe think. split, split the, the difference, six to eight. Yeah, and there's a hook I, in its you, mouth, and i got to try and get the hook out? Nah, I'm not doing that. I'm sorry, I'm not doing that. Is the shark on land somewhere? No. Is it in a boat? It's in the water. What? Yeah. You're playing on his turf here, Ben. Playing on his turf, no medical personnel on hand. <laughs> it would have to be a. I would need to be set for life. I mean, and I would need to, and I would need enough to to have a home where if I needed a wheelchair, I, I wouldn't need stairs. So it would be. I don't know. It would be a. It would be a, a hefty price tag for sure. My yeah. my wife and my new daughter would have to live pretty comfortably without my assistance for a long time. Yeah. 
You guys had this animal theme going tonight. I'm surprised you didn't have the, the Loch Ness monster. That picture that came out. I, what night. happened? So I saw. I saw th- Nessie was. Uh, was trending on Twitter. What's the deal? They've got this picture that somebody saw this thing. That well, can, it's pretty big, swimming in. I thought somewhere in I thought Ireland about asking that, but it was it was basically like a question we've asked before: of Do you believe in the Loch Ness monster? Like, if, I don't know what other direction we'd go with that. But how much do you have to pay to yeah. wrestle the Loch Ness monster? Ben, you go look <laughs> it up and you tell me what you think.